Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. This is Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find me at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at halfwall underscore hockey and on my website half-wallhockey.com. Also at San Jose Hockey Now. Uh, it is the beginning of the hockey season. It is like Christmas for all hockey fans. And we have um, some opening night rosters talk. We have uh, some uh, Couture news as well as some other uh, ramblings to go on about the well, Sharks. Well, the big thing, though, that we're going to mm. hit this week, though, is uh, we're going to make and we want to make sure that we record this before the opening night so that this could be recorded for posterity and you guys can mm-hmm. laugh at us at how stupid we are. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to make our bold predictions. So both Keegan and I, uh, we're going to have five bold predictions each and, some, and, a, and a bonus one, too. So that's 20 12 bold predictions uh, for the price of one, one podcast. If you've uh, listened to a, another Sharks podcast, we're taking these things and we're writing them in blood. And uh, <laughs> they, in five years from now, people are going to remember these bold predictions. Uh, no. Oh, I hope not, because I'm going to be <laughs> probably wrong on all of them. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it, it'll be a lot of fun. I think... Um, some of them might come true, maybe. Yeah. Some are some are more bold than others. I'll say that. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, some of these things are more. And I'll, I'll, for mine at least, I'll tell you uh, where my thinking is. Some of them are mm-hmm. kind of more fill things. Some of them are kind of educated guesses. Um, sure. All of them, uh, all of them, though, we uh, I can be wrong on, very wrong yeah. on. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, all right, Chang. So let's. Let's start with the uh, the biggest news, I guess, the opening night roster, or like mm-hmm. what we think might happen on opening night. The Sharks have been uh, putting out some lines at practice, or you have for the Sharks. Sure. Um, who do you think right now, Shang, is going to be in our opening night? Well, uh, I think uh, you know you guys have all seen the roster, so I don't, we don't have to rehash everybody that's on it. Um, mm-hmm. I w- want to give uh, Keegan and I some credit. Uh, our predictions, I think, we're pretty close to true, uh, close. except for um, Thrun being in, just because uh, they were able to kind of hide more guys on IR. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they of the like, sharks. They pulled the the double whammy on us. Yeah, and brought Thrun back up after. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty interesting. But in terms of uh, just uh, how I think they're going to start. Um, I think that there is some question in terms of um, they have 13 forwards and on their fourth line uh, the last uh, four days uh, they've been running the same four players but of course the line is three players so one of them is going to sit uh, Sturm at center who is a lock he's going to be there uh, tomorrow night and you know for the early part of the season unless he's hurt uh, but then though you have three wingers that I think will mix up and it's uh, Giovanni Smith uh, Fabian Zetterlin and Kevin LeBanc and so I think the question is what they feel like they need that night. You know, who's kind of playing better, right? So um, I think that it's possible for, for LeBanc uh, to sit out opening night. Um, he hasn't been on the power play uh, the last couple of days. And that's usually a telltale sign because the power play is such a specialized drill that if you're kind of not on it, then, you know, it's sort of because the team's not going to waste uh, a spot, uh, a practice spot in, in, in a specialized drill on somebody who they think may not play. I'm not saying it's a guarantee he's not going to play, but it is noteworthy that a guy like LeBanc who, you know, makes his bones on a power play hasn't been on it the last couple of days as opposed to Henry Thrun. Henry Thrun has been on the power play the last couple of days and he's also paired with the veteran defenseman and Jan Ruda that I don't really foresee the Sharks scratching especially early in the season. So mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I think uh, 
Thrun and, and Ruda are, are in. Um, I, the lines that I've seen, I think it will hold tomorrow. Of course, they can be jumped. They can be mixed up by the second period. But um, <laughs> it's Hurdle with uh, Zadina and Hoffman. Sure. Uh, um, Granlin centering Eklund and Kunin. Uh, Bordolo centering. Um, uh, let's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Berbon uh, Duclair. Yeah, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. Berbon Duclair. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, Sturm centering uh, two of the three wingers. On defense, um, I mentioned uh, Thrun, uh, Ruda, uh, Vlasic, and Benning have been together, and Ferraro mm -hmm. and Burrell. So I'm pretty sure, I would guess, that at least for night one, because I don't really see them scratching any of the veteran mainstays the first day, uh, the first uh, opening night. So um, so I think, I think those guys are going to be safe, which means that uh, the last couple of days, they've been running Kanijov with Emerson. So that'd be my guess on who they sit at least opening night. You know, injuries and poor play, you know, can dictate things quickly in the future. And the Sharks are funny enough deeper on defense, granted, deeper in bottom pairing defensemen, but they have a lot of valid NHL guys, just all kind of bottom pairing guys for the most part. But they have a lot of them, though. And so yeah. somebody's going to sit. Um, and so, yeah, so that's sort of, that's sort of, uh, my, uh, my feel for, uh, for, uh, for the opening night. Yeah. The, um, interesting thing to me, I, I, I think I agree with you. I don't know why, but I feel like mm -hmm. against Vegas, I feel like they're going to want to run with like Smith and Zetterlin. Yeah. Smith, than, I think I feel like is, is rather a than LeBanc. Bet. And that's, yeah. I just feel like the physicality aspect of it, the, like, I know that David Quinn's going to come, want to come out hitting, like. Like, I just have this feeling against Vegas opening night that he's going to want to come with a physical lineup. Right. And LeBanc doesn't bring the most physical element to his game. Yeah, I think it could be between Zetterlin and, and, and LeBanc. I feel Smith sure. is uh, is the safest of the three wingers, I would yeah. say. Yeah, I, I agree on that. So we'll see. I mean, it's a possibility that the bank is in instead of Zetterlin or, or Zetterlin gets a game or two and then doesn't really produce and LeBanc comes back in. It's right. kind of interesting because the Sharks do have a lot of um, – skilled wingers, you know, like Zadina and Hoffman and Eklund and Barabanov, Duclair, a lot of like right. this skilled but not very um, physical wingers. Right. And then LeBanc is just another one on top. So, um, and in, it is uh, interesting what they did with the uh, the last minute like uh, defense, uh, basically everybody went on to injured reserve or season opening injured reserve. Yeah, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now we have eight defensemen, um, and six are going to play uh, tomorrow, so yeah. We'll and but I think uh, there's injuries or whatever. In. Suddenly, mm -hmm. makes it easier to like figure out what to do with you know. I'm excited for Thrun. I think this is going to yes. be interesting. Um, we'll yes, get to I have it a, a bold Thrun prediction. Yeah, later yeah. So. about about Henry Thrun. But uh, so that's our opening night roster. Obviously, things can change tomorrow. If if they do, you'll you'll be on top of it. I'm sure, Shane. Yeah, but um, it, it, you know they ran the same lines for forward lines for four straight days. Uh, yeah. The defense, they've run the same defense for the last two days. I am mm -hmm. i don't think there will be too much. I mean, you're not going to bother with all this practice with the same exact lines if you're not going to at least give them uh, a yeah. spin together. And like I said, it could change <laughs> by the second period. You know, Vegas can True. drop a three spot uh, on Kakanen and, you know, and then we have like a blender of lines already, you know, which, hope, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to see that the first night of the season. But um, in terms of at least the first period, uh, I, I'm pretty, uh, feel pretty, uh, pretty confident that that's, that's how, how they'll, they'll, they'll run things. So speaking of that name, Kakanen, he yeah. is our uh, opening night starter. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, it was kind of you, like, you a, call that. 
I got the I got the coin flip <laughs> correct on the the Kakinen, uh being the open night starter. So and people mentioned it during this preseason that he looked a little bit more confident and he looked mm-hmm. a little bit more sound in net at least in preseason. Sure. Um. So it'll be interesting. He's going yeah. up against you know a Stanley Cup caliber team. Former teammate Aiden Hill. <laughs> and former teammate Aiden yeah. Hill. Um. So uh, I'm excited for Kakinen. Uh I, I do worry about this first game though, just because. It's going to be a very difficult test, I imagine. This whole actually first like two weeks of the Shark schedule is yeah, very yeah, difficult. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool that he's getting the opening night start. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, no, he has Sharks. earned it. You know, there's no. I mean, Blockwood, I think has been. I don't think that David Quinn is blowing smoke up. But you know, he, he said mm-hmm. that he's like Blockwood in the preseason. And I I think Blockwood has been good in the preseason. But uh, Kakinen, I believe, won both preseason games he played, mm-hmm. and he has been better. And yep. so we talk about the meritocracy thing, right? And we talked about how, like, for some guys, guys who are waiver exempt, like, you, you know, you don't, it, it doesn't really apply quite as much. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. We talked about last week with, with Run when we thought that Run would be the one to get sent down. Sure. Um, but anyway, in this case, though, um, it makes sense that it, it is a little bit more of a pure meritocracy just because their contracts are very similar, about the same age. Um, I thought that Blockwood would get just get the edge because I think that, they are they they kind of they are hoping that of course one of these guys emerges as a true starter, but Blockwood is sort of the 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 the, the new guy here, right? It just acquired this past summer. Also, too, he is uh, Mike uh, Mike's guy uh, in terms of uh, Mike's the one who acquired him. Mike is the one who acquired him. Also, Mike knew him in, in New Jersey. So um, so you know we'll see we'll see how long a rope that Kakinen has but um if he plays of course as well as he did in the preseason you know he's he's going to have a very very long leash and somebody has a bold prediction about Kakinen in the um bold prediction yes session. It's, it's me <laughs> oh um, so much teasing going on here yeah <laughs> i know tickle me with there. a feather <laughs> we're getting there uh, <laughs> so all right uh let's move on to to the sharks captain uh mm-hmm. Logan Couture uh Shang it's been kind of a I'll call it a rope-a-dope of uh, yep. what the news are about uh, Logan Couture's status. It was like maybe beginning for or, or ready for the opening night roster. What, what do we think now? Well, uh, right now, uh, he's uh, had a admitted setback. At least David Quinn called it a little bit of a setback. Um, mm-hmm. He was back skating. It looked like he was, you know, kind of wrapping himself up to, if not for opening night, because that was a little too soon, you know. But I believe he started skating last Friday. That was his first day skating. And then they went to Napa. And I assume that Logan did not skate when they were in Napa. Uh, he skated on Monday. Um, and then he's had the last two days off. That's not a good, uh, yeah, that's not, that's not a good sign. You know, if he had just taken a day, off then got back on it you know that's normal i think but mm-hmm. two days off not a not a great sign so um so right now and also too it's beyond it's beyond just taking tomorrow off they're pretty much going to give them the rest of the week off so again yeah. uh, not not a good marker and you know we will see uh you know um i if it is a, a, a groin injury, um, you know, you want to be very careful with that. Obviously, we saw that with uh, with uh, Eric Carlson uh, mm-hmm. uh, five years ago. And um, it's not a point that I've heard any talk of surgery or anything like that. Because, again, we saw what that did to uh, to Carlson, right, and his trajectory with the Sharks. Uh, but um, it's definitely not great that uh, it's moving backwards. And so... Yeah, uh, I think uh, for a little bit there, it looked like um, 
it was always been always has been termed a week to week injury. But you know, with him uh, getting back on the ice and skating and ramping up, you know, maybe you think okay, week to week is maybe like maybe he'll play in two weeks or something like that. But now though, I think it's going to be a little longer than that. Yeah, the, not encouraging is the best way to yeah. put the the setback word uh, for for Logan Couture, which kind of changes things a little bit in terms of. Um, especially for somebody like Bordalo about how long oh, he's going to sure. be up with the Sharks, mm-hmm. uh, especially this if he, is, he can actually hold his own. This is this is uh, opportunity. You know, I, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of questions. I think fair about um, about Thomas's two way game and his uh, his uh, willingness to play inside and and all these kind of things, right? And in a preseason, he's had a couple good games. But he also had bad games too. You know, this wasn't mm-hmm. a wired to wire, you know, strong preseason from him either. And so this is it. You know, this is the opportunity. And he's also with, you know, excellent line mates. You know, he's actually arguably playing with the Sharks' strongest pair of wingers in Barabanov yeah. Declare. You know, Eklund's unproven. Kunin is not a big offensive force, right? Um, yeah. Hoffman hasn't been a big offensive force for a couple of years. Zadina has never been a big offensive force, yeah. and not yet at least. And so, yeah, so he's, he's going to get, uh, he's getting a, a clear shot. And so if he you know, if he doesn't, if he can't run with this, then that's, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's going to be sort of a, a, a mark against him because um, the opportunity is right here and it's with the right players. Yeah. It's actually thinking about that lineup. It's super, it's very interesting. The, there is some inexperience in the, the top six Eklund's there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Hoffman, who's not like a consistent 200 foot player. Who's kind of up and he also just line. hasn't scored as much the last couple of yeah, years he's on yeah. the on the downswing yeah. of his career yeah. and then uh Kunin, who's more notably like a third liner rather than like yeah. a second um and zadina who's a little unproven right um, very unpro- yeah so i think the idea here and that's what coaches do start every year they hope they try mm-hmm. to balance they try to have balanced lines yep. if you remember a couple of years ago uh, the sharks they had signed nick bonino and they put him with uh kevin lebank on the third line on paper, that sounded pretty good because this is Nick Bonino that wasn't at that point not that far away from being the you know arguably the premier third line center in the league, winning the cup with the Penguins. You know LeBanc wasn't too far from scoring you know fifty six points right in, in his sure. breakout year. That sounded like well, wow, that's actually could be a pretty good third line. But you know those those, those two didn't seem to have much chemistry. Um, you know, I think Bonino went like the first 18 games without a point. <laughs> you know, LeBanc, <laughs> oh, I think, injured his shoulder and, yeah. and you know, early in the season and he mm-hmm. was done for the year, right? And so, um, so, so, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, but it was the Sharks attempt, though, I think, to kind of balance things out, though, you know, just, yep. to, you know, um, and actually, you know, I, I just uh, wrote a story uh, on that about sort of the, the lines from, from uh, to start last year, right? And you see sort of the, the same sort of uh, sense of, you know, trying to uh, trying to balance things out. You know, last year they had Oscar Lindblom on, on your second line. Um, yeah. You know, they had Luke Kunin on the first line with Meyer and Hurdle. And, you know, if you want to make like the power unit out of last year's team, which was weaker up front, it would have been probably Meyer, Hurdle, and LeBanc. And, you know, which was actually the line that had the most success during the season. But, you yeah. know, at the beginning of the season, you try to, uh, you know, you try to do sort of the most ideal sort of thing. You know, sort of like if everything, if everything happens right, everything falls right for us, yeah. <laughs> you know, this so is how only, it falls. So. so not only is, is 
Bortolo going to have to shine with good wingers. He's also going to have to shine when they remove those good wingers and put them up higher if they if they decide to do that. Like if they move well, if down, they shine, then maybe they won't up. move them, right? And then yeah, if Pater gets healthy and Bador and Bortolo is still is has has been really good, then that you know gives you what they, you know the good problem to have, right? Uh, and hopefully Options. that is that is what happens, right? Where Bortolo yeah. is so good that he uh, he cannot you know be sent. I'm not, you know, camp shouldn't be sent down. Uh, sure. My guess is that he's going to need a little more time. Not to say that he's not going to do well with Barrett Bonoff and Clary. He's also on the power play, too, so he's going to get that chance, too. So not to say he's not going to do well with them, but I'm not sure if he's going to do enough that the Sharks will be like, okay, once Couture is back, like, okay, we this guy is, is going to be up here. You know, now we have to figure out who plays, who gets sent to the the, the sure. wing, assuming everybody's healthy. You know, Hurdle, Couture, or Granlin, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but I don't, I'm not predicting, or speaking about predictions, my guess is that that's not what happens with Bordola. Yeah. And um, it's, um, it would be a big improvement, I think, from last year if it, if it happens. And, you know, it could, it could. Uh, but I think it could happen. It's work. just a lot of what ifs, though, right? There's so yeah. Hoffman, Zadina, Duclair. I mean, those are huge, huge what ifs. But, um, yeah. uh, but you let's know, they're not to, bad bets. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to because uh, uh, you mentioned. I'm all about segues today because you mentioned Duclair. <laughs> um, so the NHL, uh, in its infinite wisdom, uh, has <laughs> decided to ban, which is against their old rule book. If you've seen that tweet. They have a, a rule out that says that players can use whatever color tape they want to to tape their sticks um, in, in warm-ups and such. Well, the rule is supposed to be, like, only black or white tape, right? And they made an exception for not to jump in, like, uh, before you finish, but bef- they made an exception before that for uh, the pride tape. Yeah, so they now have uh, announced that it is... Um, illegal or or not allowed to wear or the, the yeah it's not going to be allowed yeah um for the upcoming season um and this is after they had already announced that they couldn't do specialty jerseys like right. red jerseys anymore military appreciation black history mm-hmm. jerseys and during warm-ups right <laughs> and it's gotten a lot of backlash um on twitter and also i would say deservedly so uh, basically as soon as anybody realizes what they're they're doing, they kind of say, "Why are you Why are you outlawing yeah. this? This seems to be like a personal choice that the NHL doesn't want the players to make." Yeah. Um, so Duclair gave you an interesting um, a quote on this, right? What was his quote? Well, he gave a lot of them, and you can see the mm-hmm. story up on San Jose Hockey now. Um, but uh, the one that that I sort of highlighted um, was that. You know, uh, and and you know, let's give some background on Duclair. Duclair uh, is of Haitian descent. Uh, he's a very outspoken member of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Um, Duclair uh, has worn Pride uh, jerseys and has uh, actually uh, uh, put on uh, Pride tape too before. Sure. Um, and. You know, most famously uh, in the 2020-21 season, uh, when uh, when he joined the Florida Panthers, um, he uh, wore uh, on his skates. Uh, he wore um, <clears throat> before Martin Luther King Day, uh, 2021 season, 2020-21 season. Uh, he wore uh, skates that uh, said BLM for Black Lives Matter. Uh, had a race fist logo. Also had the phrase "Change Hockey Culture." 
and mm-hmm. the left skate uh, had a, the Hockey Diversity Alliance logo. And so these are some things that if you if the NHL is going to follow by the letter of their law, what they seem to be stay, stating here is that there will be no zero on the ice demonstrations of uh, or sta- expressions or statement uh, of belief. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they say, say like, yeah, off the ice, do whatever you want. But, you know, on the ice, things like pride tape, right? That's an adjustment to your stick. So any kind of adjustments to your gear to, to, to reflect that. Actually, the, uh, the policy goes so far to specify uh, stickers and ribbons are banned from player uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, adult coaches are allowed to wear ribbons. <laughs> so very, very specific of, of what can or cannot be, uh, be, uh, be worn. Um, so anyway, um, I find this to be, and I, I'm not saying anything different than a lot of people. This is so, um, you know, Duclair said going backwards, you know, this feels like it's going backwards and, yeah. um, <clears throat> I have to, I have to uh, agree with them. Um, he also said something about, and some people have sort of uh, fought against this online. Uh, he said that uh, that's why the NBA, NFL leagues like that, they're always growing year after year, always getting new fans, new viewerships. So I'm gonna uh, kind of, uh, I'm, I'm gonna kind of explain that a little bit more. Um, but anyway, though, before I get to that, though, you know, it's this is so going backwards. You know, mm-hmm. I. Everybody knows I wrote a lot about James Reimer and his decision to not wear the pride jersey. And um, I got a lot of flack online for what I wrote because it's it's what I felt. Um, and I did not agree with it. I did not like it. But I did give uh, uh, Reimer credit for being willing to talk about it and never shying away from the from the issue. Uh, but I 100% did not agree with them. I thought that that was a step backward. Um, before this pride tape ban, in about June, the NHL, of course, like you alluded to, uh, said no more warm-up jerseys, uh, uh, specialty warm-up jerseys. And that encompasses everything, not just a pride a warm-up jerseys, but like we mentioned, Military Appreciation Night, um, uh, Black History, yeah. whatever. You know, there's been many, Hockey Fights Cancer. Think. Hockey yeah, Fights anything. Cancer, you know, is, is well, yeah, the um, St. Patrick's uh, Day, yeah. right? Uh, whatever, right? And so anyway... Um, I'm obviously not a fan of it because, and again, you know, I've been thinking about very clear about what I wrote, but I understood that, uh, I mean, a lot of people will disagree with me on, on this, that, like, I get where the NHL and NHL PA, um, you know, it sounds like it was the NHL's decision, but the PA is sort of allowing it, I guess, right? They're not fighting back against it. And I, I understood where that was coming from because last year we, we had, uh, you know, when a rhymer, would decline to wear it. A Provorov, Provorov would decide not to wear it. Uh, the Stahl brothers in Florida, right? And it became like the it became a media frenzy, and I was mm-hmm. a part of that, you know. And it became a sort of asking a player, "Are you going to wear it or not? Are you going to wear it or not?" Right? And people criticized me for this last year, and I will agree to 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 a certain extent that like. You know, people said, oh, you know, people, online, I'm, I mean, people are telling me like, oh, you're overcovering this. You're not uh, emphasizing enough the guys who did wear the jersey. And 
I will say that I tried to. Like, there, I tried to interview a couple of, you know, I don't want to give away the, the, the people, uh, you know, if they didn't want to do it for their own reasons, right? But I tried to spotlight and try to interview and try to make stories out of a couple people uh, uh, who, who did wear it or did support this cause, right? And, and try to spotlight them. Uh, but those uh, sort of requests were, decl were declined. And mm -hmm. so I didn't write those stories. And so it ended up on my site as, you know, being purely pretty much about Reimer and, and his decision. And um, I think that on a lot of websites, a lot of the news, right, um, that was sort of the focus, right, was on sure. the decision not to wear and not celebrating those who, who did wear, you know. Yeah. And I could I can get that the group of, of all, of just the players in general, you know, they don't, they don't want to be – you know, they, they are most players, I think, are happy to wear for all these causes. Right. Um, Pride night, uh, black history, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But they don't want to be in a position of being, you know, like it's a big it's a it's a media firestorm yeah, if they don't wear they, it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they wear it because they, they you know, basically you may not agree with every aspect or everything about, you know, about living an LGBTQ lifestyle or everything about black history or black lives matters or whatever right? you may not agree with every every part of that but in general though they you know they you know they 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 have a general maybe i don't know sim sympathy or agreement and they're fine with it right but when it becomes something where it's a media firestorm it's a big issue right then they want to shy away from that right and i mean it's normal because look in the end like i know uh people expect more of them but they're hockey players they're here to play hockey that's <laughs> literally you know yeah. how they make their money sure. all this other stuff you know can be a you know I, I hate to use the word distraction but it it distracts them uh you know from their goal of being the best hockey player that the best at their job that they can be and so I have a general understanding of, of why the Jersey thing and even my part in yeah. it, right, or media's part in it, right, why, like, it did make a, a, a smidgen of sense to be like, yeah, okay, the distinction no you're more. Trying to, you're trying to make is between what's mandatory, like, everybody's right. got to wear these things, and it becomes like a media firestorm. Right, right, if you don't, right? And look, it, it's fair. Like, if you yeah. don't, if it's mandatory, you mm -hmm. don't wear it, or, you know, or if everyone's been wearing it for a decade, right, and suddenly sure. this year, you know, 12 people decided not to wear it. That That's a story, by the way. You know, I'm sorry. Some people, yeah. Yeah, that's another part of it. It was definitely a story. It is, you know, sure. It was definitely a story. You know, like, I agree that I, media, we could have covered the the the, the positive side of it, the, the, the many, the 95% or whatever players who did wear it, right? So I agree with that part of it. But but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that 5% or whatever percent that didn't wear it, that, that's a huge story. That's a huge story. And so anyway, though, uh, yeah, so I want to draw that distinction. So the, the big thing with this pride tape that is so, you know, retrograde, so just idiotic is that the pride tape is something that a player could have just it's not it's not a jersey it's just something that a player can choose to put on whether he chooses to not and i'm pretty sure yeah. you know some people will say oh it's going to be the same thing as last year you're going to question players about why they didn't put they didn't put on the tape i don't really think it's going to be like that it's not as i don't know bold a statement as everybody has been wearing the jersey for you know a decade the teams that had pride nights have had these i know not every team has had it but you yeah. know pride nights have been around i think the jerseys have been around for maybe a decade or so right and there is there's never been a case that we've known before that of a player not wearing it, right? Um, of course, there are players that maybe wouldn't wear it if they, but 
they weren't given the, like that. Like those teams just didn't have uh, uh, pride warm up jerseys. They may have had pride jerseys for auction, but they didn't have pride warm up jerseys, right? That mm-hmm. players wore during warm ups, right? So it was never uh, uh, just out there who you know uh, uh, didn't didn't want to put it on, you know. And yeah. so based so everybody wore it for a decade. Suddenly people you know uh, weren't wearing it, right? But the pride tape mm-hmm. though has always been a matter of. You know, I don't think that every time a player has worn a pride jersey that they they have pride tape with it, right? And mm-hmm. so, let's say the Sharks on their pride night this year, right? Which I think is in January. Um, let's say like half the players, you know, uh, decide. Let's say NHL justice policy or whatever, or the players protest, which I hope they do, and sure. they just they just they just they just put on the pride tape and take on the fines or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, though, like, let's say like 10, 10 sharks, you know, put on the pride tape and, 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 and eight of them don't. We're not going to, I'm not going to, you know, chase eight players down and be like, hey, how come you didn't wear the, the, the pride tape? You know, yeah, to me, care. that would be like, okay, <laughs> like, like Duclair, right? I mentioned Duclair with his skates, right? Uh, before mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Day, right? And he had the Black Lives Matter and change hockey culture, all that stuff on his skates, right? Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, when Declair did that, that his 17 other teammates, uh, no one put anything on their skates. Yeah. You know, was anybody chasing seven, the other Florida players like, hey, how come you didn't wear uh, Black Lives Matter skates? Doesn't mean you don't support Black Lives Matter. No. Yeah. You know, or, you know, the, also like the default response could just be, you know, like I've been doing this exact same thing in warmups for my entire career, and I don't want to change right. it. Hockey players are right. like super resistors. You know, they there's like, a lot of ways that like it wouldn't it, just, it wouldn't it doesn't, be doesn't become a huge thing. It's just like oh yeah, I didn't want to do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not going to say that like no one, no reporter will ask some player like, how come you have the bright tape on, you know? But mm. it would not be the degree of this again you gotta you know again the circumstances these are different things like the pride Mm -hmm. jersey was a big thing because for a decade every player wore them that that as far as we know no one oh yeah i mean i don't know if it was mandatory i guess it's basically mandatory because it's just a general mandatory like you wear what your teammates wear at warm-ups yeah yeah (laughs) you know you know expected i guess yeah uh but you know but that is said with uh with you know again acknowledging that not every team did do did did have a pride warm-up jersey that's a big distinction mm-hmm. um i know famously i think it's been noted that like alexander ovechkin the capitals have never had a pride warm-up night and a presumption some this is you know just presumption presumption is that you know ovechkin wouldn't have worn it maybe you know and so stuff like that were like it was skirted around so we don't really know but anyway it was a big story because for a decade every team that had a pride warm warm-up jersey night that every player that was in the game wore it Mm-hmm. You know, and then suddenly players weren't doing it. And then and then so that's that's why that became a story. But the pride tape has never had that sort of. Um, yeah, it just know, feels like every player doing it. Yeah. Targeted to be like, I don't want to like the NHL basically saying, I don't want this kind of individualism. I don't want this kind of. It just uh, feels very like corporate. Diversity. Like, let's let's so let's corporate. like let's <laughs> like have as little controversy as possible. And anyway, I'm going to finish up, uh, at least for myself, like sure. uh, Duclair's uh, thought about um, about the NBA and NFL and, and the leagues not growing. Right. Or I'm sorry, they're growing their leagues. Right. And people are like, oh, you know, the NFL has never had pride warm up jersey. That's not the fucking point. Like the point of, of of what he's saying is that you don't close doors on people. 
like yeah. and I and I get there's another way another like sort of aspect to it that you don't want to close the doors to people that for whatever reason hate pride right or mm-hmm. um, you know because those that, that is a big part of your your fan base I'm I'm not denying that you know but um, again that's the distinction here so the warm up jerseys I kind I kind of get I get the business sense of even if I don't agree philosophically or personally right but I get the business sense of it the pride mm-hmm. tape though like no one's going to say anything again if like nine sharks decide to they're going to they're going to have the pride tape and nine say oh well you know I don't really feel like it it's not it's not my thing or black history a night you know if you know declare uh has something but like I don't know uh Fabian Zetterlin decides not not yeah. not not to have any this I mean Fabian Zetterlin's a racist of course not you know yeah, exactly. And so, and so, like that's 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 the point. That like, who are you mm-hmm. appeasing with this pride tape thing? There is no, you know, again, you know, like like this. There there there's no stand to take here. You just let the guys choose kind of what they want to support. They yep. want us. They want to support a military appreciation night. You know, I don't actually. I don't know if it's like. Uh, sort of um, maybe disrespectful, but like, like if a player were to have like military camouflage sort of like, you know, tape, right. Right. And, and like a few players opted not to do it. No one would say anything about it, you know, just be like, okay, you know, for like, we know Brent Burns was very, you know, you know, you know, a pro military, military, that was a big thing for him when he was with the Sharks. Right. If a Brent Burns has it, but Eric Carlson chooses not to, that's, it's not a, there's no one's really making a statement, you know, sure. maybe Brent is just saying like, I care a little bit more about this, you know, kind of picking and choosing your causes kind of, you know, it's, it's um, so yeah. yeah, I have, a, I have a few things to, to say about it. I, they're all pretty much exactly what you're, you're, or I'm going to echo what you said. Basically when you make it a mandate or, or when it's kind of mandatory, certain players like James Reimer, or the Stahl brothers will feel um, like, rightly or wrongly like it's going against whatever they believe in sure which sure you know you can make a lot about it you can you can hate on them all they want but it's what they're saying that they believe in and they don't want to do it that and in the nhl is responding to that in some way probably more so because the business side of things by saying okay we, we won't make this a thing anymore yeah this it won't make you this, this is different this is like yeah. the you're just basically squashing their individual choice because you want to, or because you feel yeah. like it's a better business decision. It's the most careful thing to do. It's yeah. the most careful thing. The most, uh, yeah. like the most non-problematic thing to do is to basically say that nobody has their own individual rights in a league that has been like notoriously like shit on for being like unable to promote its own stars, unable to promote its individual aspects of their their players who. And they're up against leagues like the NBA, uh, MLS, where they're like getting more and more stars. Like you get Messi who comes to the MLS. You get LeBron James every night for six months on ESPN. In in the NHL, it's like got very little to promote their individuality. They're just purposely saying, we don't want it. (laughs) We want no more individuality. We want people to not have things to believe in. They only believe in the good of the game. They only believe in the NHL and its rigid structure. And I think that's really dumb. Uh, it's, yeah. there was a, um, there's been a bunch of articles out for the past, like 10, 15 years about the growth of the NHL. And there's been some yeah. growth, obviously like a little bit of growth in terms of the USA market, but not a lot comparatively between like MLS and NBA and F1 even is cause like coming around the growth is like very, very little for 18 to 25 year olds. It's like last between all of those leagues yeah. and obviously behind like MLB and, and NFL. So yeah it's bad when you're that bad for the younger generation. And then you're purposely being like, we don't want these people to try and connect with that generation at all. 
That's just my opinion. I want to go back to 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 what Declare said about the NBA and NFL. Like, I know it's not a one for one thing. Like, if you wear pride tape, that means people will watch. The mm-hmm. NHL is gonna is is gonna overtake uh, Major no, League Baseball. It no, it's not. It's not about that. But it's actually, if if you look at it, look, if you are the like the fifth or sixth most popular team sport in uh in in America, don't close doors on people. True. You know, don't don't make it don't don't make people feel like the doors are closing. I, mean, I know some people will be like Pride Tape never never you know ne- never stopped a, a gay person from liking hockey or disliking hockey. Of course, you know I, I I get that, but like this is such big news, such a bad look, and so so I'm gonna give Angel Angel some credit. You know, like other leagues didn't have yeah they didn't have pride warm-up jerseys as many people point out they nhl was a leader to some degree mm-hmm. in that but now they've like totally reversed it's like they got criticized some players got criticized uh you know um nhl got criticized for maybe not for making the play for not making these players wear the pride jerseys all this kind of stuff right that they've gone from being like slightly progressive to we're gonna totally you know be be shut-ins now we're gonna totally you know like turtle yeah. now and and that just that's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bad, yeah, bad, bad really look. Dumb. You know, it just it just makes no sense. You know, like mm-hmm. this specific thing makes makes no sense because just let the players decide that if they want to put on pride. Yeah. Don't make it a thing. Now the angel has made it a thing, and they're probably going to reverse it, or players will protest or something, right? But uh, but they look bad already. You know, even thinking that this was a sensible a idea, idea yeah. to to try to try to enforce to even put mm-hmm. out put out a mandate on that. Like just yeah. uh, a it, terrible a, it, look. It, it's awful and it's a thing it's why why are these like slogans of hockey is for everyone when they continually just try and prove that it's not (laughs) like over and over again and the the amount of scandals that continually happen with hockey is just never ending (laughs) it feels like and i don't know well you know scandals are one thing but like literally just shooting yourself in the foot yeah, but literally, like that's inclusive. that's your own choice to decide to mm-hmm. to say like, hey, no more pride tape. Like specify, no more pride tape. You know, no more. St- and uh, you know, of course, they'll say, oh, it's all statements of all kinds. But why would you even do that? You know, like, um, you know, who was bothered by just by pride? No, the ones. I don't think people were really. I mean, there'll be some people howling about it, but players had it for years. No one was really bothered by it. You know. Um, yeah. To be honest, like the few times I I saw it, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool, and then that's yeah. I forget about it. Like the and you know that's and somebody who you know actually is is really involved in LGBT causes, they might look at that and go, wow, actually that's really cool, and that's and that's, that's awesome. the that's the point. That's the point that's that the you point. open the door. That's the hockey is for everyone. Let's exactly. open the door. Even open the door for the racists and the haters. Let's let's be honest. That's all part of, of people who 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 like the league, right? And Anyway, it just it just it just it just makes 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 no sense to this this particular part of the the, the decision. But uh, yeah. but anyway, let's let's let let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking a lot about it. Yeah. I mean, we had a whole episode on on like the Barracuda and fighting. So you know, we almost yeah. had a whole episode here with this one. <laughs> no, anyway, um, we'll see. I really do hope they like combat it, and it's like the fighting the evil empire of the NHL. Yeah, and it's just like just just Scott Lawton put out a thing that he's gonna wear it. He yeah, yeah. I, I hope I hope I hope the players just 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 put it on. Yeah, I mean. You know, how much is the NHL going to find? And also, you know, players can just not, I don't know, just don't pay it. See what the NHL does. I mean, come on, you know. You know. Yeah. We'll see what the NHL PA puts out about it, too. I don't think they've actually said anything. Yet. Yeah, that's, yeah, kind of different telling in its own way, I guess. But, yeah, but. Maybe a bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are moving on to the, the uh, last segment of the show. 
which is our uh, bold predictions for the season. We've got uh, right. a couple each, and we're going to talk through our reasoning about them, but Shang, do you want to start us off? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say that the Sharks clear 70 points this year, which is... <laughs> I think a very, very bold prediction. Um, the Sharks had 60 last year, and they lost Eric Carlson. Um, and this one comes more from Phil, I think. Um, a little bit, it's a law of averages, right, that the Sharks, you know, were close in a lot of games. The Sharks should have had a better record than they had last year, at least through the trade deadline. I mean, they were, I think, playing actually about 500 hockey. They just couldn't close leads. They lost, you know, they, they lost games in overtime, right? Sure. Um, so things, you know, they, I think they had like 16 overtime losses or something, which was, I think, yep. a team a team rec- franchise record. Something. Uh, so things like that, I don't think will repeat. They'll do a better job of holding leads. They won't have a lot of leads. Leads, that's that's why I predict, but um, I think that they're going to do enough to to clear uh, a 70 points, be slightly better in terms of actual on the ice improvement. Besides law of averages, I do generally like uh, their forward group, even though there's maybe you know too many reclamation, too many like what ifs. But I think overall, though, it should be a stronger group, and I expect the goal. I expect some better goaltending to emerge, uh, even though there isn't a um, there isn't a necessarily a great reason to believe on that. You know, I'm not going to use Kakinen's preseason, just preseason. Uh, I'm not going to use their success, Kakinen and Blackwoods from a couple years ago. Um, just, just going to say that, yeah, at some point, uh, this is maybe a little law of averages. At some point, the Sharks just need to get better goaltending at some point. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm going to be the pessimist in the room. <laughs> the Sharks finish. Um, and this is my prediction with the worst record in the NHL. That's not a bold um, prediction, but it's not bold. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have let that one pass opposite. through. That's yeah, definitely yeah, not bold at it all. It is the uh, well. It actually, to be fair, to yes. be fair, there are some bad teams in the NHL left um, that could challenge the Sharks for this kind of record. Right, right? but like, but still, they're the Sharks are like the they're they're the anti Stanley Cup favorite. You know, they're like Carolina. Basically. Who's going to win Stanley Cup? Carolina. Vegas, you know, uh, yeah. Colorado, right? All down the line, we right? We had to have the something to counteract are, yeah. your optimism, sure. which is my optimism of the worst my record in the optimism, NHL. yeah, in like major optimism. quotes, yeah. <laughs> they had, so last year the Sharks had 22 wins, which was the worst, um, the least amount of wins in the NHL. I mean, unfortunately, they finished fourth, even though they had 22 uh, wins because they had 16 overtime losses, which was mm-hmm. the second most overtime losses of any team behind Calgary was 17. Yeah. So they you're right. There will be some kind of law of averages, I think, in terms of some of those games are going to go the other way, probably. And, and maybe they get some better goaltending, which I think they will um, this year. But I don't think that they make up for the lack of actual first line talent. They okay. have a lot of depth. They have a lot yeah. of good guys in the second and third line or around those archetypes, right? Like Hoffman sure. and Duclair and Verbanov. They don't have any really first i mean they have hurdle and they have couture who are first liners maybe maybe hurdle you can swing on like a boston or something where they have really good wingers or whatever yeah but they don't have really first liner star talent at all they've lost meyer they've lost carlson sure um both of which were able to put up star seasons point per game seasons star defense in seasons i think that alone is going to make them push down almost every game where their mm-hmm. first line of another team can dominate our first line, no matter what. So I just see them losing a lot of games overall. And then I think 
by the trade deadline, but actually probably by about January. I think this is when we're going to start seeing the Sharks kind of move a different direction, try sure. and get younger guys to play and start selling off pieces. It's going to be another tank year, in my opinion. And, you know, this isn't a bold prediction. This is just a prediction that they get the worst overall points yeah. in the NHL. And, you know, I'll say, too, that, like, my prediction is contingent on them probably because after the deadline, they're like they did last year, like they did in the last couple of years, they're probably going to really kind of fall off the face of the earth after the, <laughs> yeah, after the deadline. Good. And yeah. so they'll probably need to be, like, at a 75, maybe 80-point pace uh, sure. before the deadline. Um, and that's a very, very bold, like, sort of uh, um, – uh, pace for them to meet. Yeah. Um, so it was 80 points is basically 500 teams. So, but anyway, though, um, unless you have something else uh, uh, to continue, Not I'm going to really. go my on with the next one. Prediction. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, my prediction is uh, Philip Zadino will score 20 plus goals this year, which I think Ooh. will be great at 1.1 million. And if he does do that, he produces in that area. Then we're talking about somebody that maybe he's just 23, that maybe you think about long term uh, with the team. And part of the reason why I'm going uh, with this one is uh, and he didn't score a goal in the preseason. So it's not based on that, obviously. Um, but I really like the other parts of his game. I was like, I've talked about his last podcast that um, that I've been surprised by just how hard he competes, just the, the little things, right? The, the stuff that keeps you in lineups, right? And he does a lot of those things, which you don't expect out of a guy that uh, sixth overall pick, drafted to score, hasn't scored, right? You think it's just yep. because, you know, th- you know the, the stereotype with guys like that is, you know, bad defense, bad effort. That doesn't. That's not the case with 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 Zadina. You know, Z, uh, David Quinn, like I mentioned, uh, you know, has praised both uh, Zadina's uh, work ethic, his competitiveness, has called him an honest player. Right. I think the main thing in front, uh, the main thing um, that is blocking Zadina from that potential is Zadina himself. He's talked about confidence being an issue. Um, you know, he's hard on himself. So I think the key is that if he can get to the point where he's not so hard on himself if he's not scoring, you know, if he goes like seven, eight games without a goal, like if he's doing the other things, right? Um, and I think I'll hope that um, there's, you know, a deeper forward group. So maybe hopefully other guys are scoring too. So um, so it's not as noticeable as Zadina goes in a, into a slump. But if he does the other things well, I think he'll be fine, you know, and that's, you know, we talk about this in a, when we talk a lot about the difference between a William Eklund and Thomas Bortle, at least last year, right, that Eklund has a B game, you know, he has a clear B game that he can, he can rely on if mm-hmm. he's not scoring, and, you know, Eklund doesn't seem to have a confidence, this kind of confidence problem, so if he's not scoring, he just kind of, kind of do the same thing, and then the points will come, right? Sure. Uh, with Bortolo, we question, you know, we saw a little more of it during preseason, but the B game, if he's not scoring, what is he doing to help you, right? Zadina is doing things that can help a team if, uh, if, uh, if he's not scoring. He just needs to stick to it and not be discouraged if he's not scoring, kind of, and, you know, if you, you know, if, if, you, have, if, you, if you have a, a mental or sort of a lack of confidence right and then that sort of bleeds into other uh, other areas right don't let it bleed into other areas if you're not scoring so if he's able to do mm-hmm. that um then i i, I think I, I could i could see him being sort of a a, a you know kind of a kind of a, a core a, a potential core piece for the sharks you know the next uh, you know as they try to get out of the rebuild yeah and they're giving him you know first line minutes with 
the best center on the Sharks, probably. He's playing power play, too. Ed Hurdle, as we saw with, uh, we talked about Jacob Peterson and Barabanov a couple years ago. Hurdle, whatever you want to say about them, you know, Hurdle makes, you know, it, it is a good enough player that he makes it easier for his line mates. Sure. And so he's the kind of the guy, the right guy, sort of, <laughs> you know, to put with a guy like Zadina, I think. Yeah, and I, I was reading some things online about, uh, or like Detroit fans were mentioning that he didn't have that kind of like compete or physicality to his game um, when he was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I didn't really watch him all that much in Detroit. So I, I didn't either, yeah, really, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Yeah, somebody like said fan perception, or, though. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll check on That's it because solid. fan, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, if you, according to the fans, you know, like mm-hmm. David Quinn screwed over Alexis Lafreniere and Capo, sure. Ca- uh, you know, Capo yeah. Caco. Internet and talk. It actually yeah. turns out that Lafreniere and Caco just aren't that good. <laughs> they might not be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lafreniere has had a rough go of it. Anyway, um, okay, so your predictions about goal scoring and Zadina mm-hmm. getting 20, which would be his highest goal scorer, yep. goal scoring total. We're high 10. Yeah, so my prediction is that Duclair, Anthony mm-hmm. Duclair, is going to be the Sharks' goal-scoring leader uh, this year, at least mm-hmm. until the trade deadline. If he gets traded, I'm not counting it. So, like, if he hits, <laughs> to, like, 20 goals or 25, sure. and then, you know, it gets, like, one goal with whoever he gets traded to, I'm not counting it. But um, okay. he's going to be the, the Sharks' goal t- or goal-scoring leader. Last year, the, the goal-scoring leaders were Timo Meyer with 31 before he right. was traded um, at his 57th game. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Carlson with 25 at, in 82 games, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Logan Couture with 27 in his 82 games. So mm-hmm. those top three, you have Couture who's injured until right. we don't know when. Carlson's gone and Meyer's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you b- below that, you've got Hurdle at 22 and Barabanoff and LeBanc both had 15 uh, last year. So I just think that Duclair has the ability to score 30 goals. He mm-hmm. did so a year ago uh, or two years ago. Yeah, um, yep. 31, yeah. 31 goals. I think they're going to give him more and more ice time as the season goes on. I mm-hmm. think he's going to be the Sharks goal scoring leader, at least until the trade deadline. Is my prediction. Okay. I'm going to call hurdle for this one. I'm expecting Fair. a bit of a bounce back year uh, for, uh, for Tommy. Um, I think also likes Adina, you know, like hurdles in his own way, a little bit mentally just, and I think hurdles problem is a little different. It's not a confidence thing, but it's, you know, taking so much, you know, on his shoulders, um, mm-hmm. uh, big contract, um, you know, team is losing. He's a star. <laughs> he's got to, you know, I, I think, I think he's going to do a little so far, you know, he's sort of shown a sort of a, uh, you know, like I think he's gonna he's gonna uh, uh, lighten up a bit. You know, le- you know, uh, not to say that he's gonna take losing easily, but just you know, just not be uh, not 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 uh, put as much pressure on himself. I think I think he's gonna be able to do that, and so I think he's gonna he's gonna clear if he's healthy. I would expect him to clear you know seventy points. You know, kind of be uh, that thirty goal guy he he has been too right in his best seasons. Right, so I kind of expect that kind of season from him. Uh, uh, sort of a season that will you know, uh, uh, make his contract, even though the Sharks won't win a lot of games, like, you know, people will understand, you know, last year they, 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 they weren't happy with it. Uh, but this year they'll, they'll understand why Hurdle was paid 8 million a year. So that's my yeah. call for a goal scorer. I like Hurdle a lot. I, I, I worry that without, um, some of his like usual line mates around him and without Carlson and Meyer, mm-hmm. that he might regress a bit. My own well, he, but you can argue that there's more opportunity. He's going to shoot more, you know, Hopefully. on the power yeah. play last year with Meyer, right? Meyer was the clear, like, 
you know, Trigger shooter, man. go-to, go-to option, right? Maybe Hurdle will shoot more. Hurdle sure. will, will take it upon himself more. You know, if his line mates are, you know, Zadina and, and Hoffman, like, of course, Hoffman is, a, is a, you know, historically a great shooter too. But, you know, I can see uh, Hurdle being more assertive. And and so that, you know, that, uh, that, that, uh, um, that will add to his production. Also, too, add the note, too, that, you know, power play actually was an area that, you know, Eric Carlson didn't really – affect that positively in his time with the Sharks even last year. I think the Sharks finished 25th on the power play last year. Um, and so, yeah. So I, I don't think that's so much like the loss of Carlson will be felt as much on the power play, at least. Obviously, on 5-on-5, mm-hmm. five five, it will be huge, but power play, uh, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and, and it would be a good thing for the Sharks, like future, if, if Hurdle could turn around and be like a he's still a mainstay top six center kind of yep. thing because that would be huge <laughs> for the time being. All right. What's your next one, Shang, after uh, our goal scoring leaders? Yeah, let's see. Sorry. Let me pull up my, my list. You got uh, it. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, so, okay. So this one is, uh, might, uh, uh, might worry some people. And this, so this is, I'm going to say this out front that this is, uh, uh, pure guess. This isn't uh, educated guess. This is just sure. a pure guess, right? Um, we talked about Katoris health, obviously, you know, went, went backward a little bit, right. Um, uh, with him not skating the last couple of days after skating for two days, Friday and Monday. Um, so I'm going to put out there that my, again, want to be very clear about this, that this is just a guess. This is not a, uh, mm-hmm. this is not based on, on anything, you know, uh, uh, anything that I know under, uh, you know, under, you know, under the table through sources, whatever. Right. <laughs> but my guess is that Couture doesn't play until December. And, um, part yeah. of it is obviously, you know, he's had a setback, you know, my guess, everybody's guess is that something like a groin injury or something like something like that, that gets aggravated. Uh, if you, if you push it too much and that uh, you want to be very careful with, you know, you don't want to uh you don't want to push uh, too much you want to give it a shot like they did with the last you know when Kator did skate but like you don't want to push it too much and so I think that obviously he's not trying to get ready for the playoffs um you know there, there isn't a a, a a a a huge huge reason for him to rush himself even with Eric Carlson in 2018-19 like you know that's that's a team that yeah I mean you know, there was an argument that Carlson got rushed there too, or he rushed himself. He he pushed himself too much, but it was a good team. He wants to, you know, you want to be out there when the team is is you know is is doing well. You want to be a part of that, and and that's sort of thing, right? With, with in this case though, with Katora though, like obviously it probably helps the draft position along he sits out. I don't think the Sharks will 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 make him sit out for that reason. But sure. there just isn't as many reasons for him to kind of push himself, you know, like you want him to be uh you want him to be healthy when when he uh when he when he starts play this season, like like hundred percent healthy. And so um so yeah, so so that's that that's my uh, bold prediction. We'll see. You know, maybe he's gonna play in two weeks from now and or I'll look real stupid. <laughs> No, 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 no. You know, he he's he's been ruled out, so he's not I'm playing. Joking. Yeah, I mean, he's not skating this week. He's not he's not playing. I mean, the best case is maybe like two weeks from now. That's the very best mm-hmm. case, I think, or something like. It that. It is yeah. a bad omen when they say setback or when oh, they sure, keep sure, posting sure. like, you know, timelines that go further and further back. That it yeah. tells me they don't really have a handle on it, like yeah. at all. Yeah. So. And, you know, if it is something nagging that, that is hard to really gauge when you're going to be 100% and they don't want to rush him, there's no mm-hmm. real reason to it. Kutcher's, you know, 
been a lifelong shark and this season is likely not going to be the one that they win the Stanley Cup in. So um, <laughs> it's uh, for, for yeah. real, <laughs> for real. I uh, that's my bold prediction is that this is the year the Sharks do not win the Stanley. Anyway. Um, all right. So my prediction has nothing to do with with injuries. Um, it just has to do with um, uh, the goaltending. So I, I predict that Kapokakinen posts above a point nine oh five is is the cutoff okay. I'm giving it. Uh, last year, Kapokakinen uh, had a point eight eight three, which was among one of the worst for goaltenders that have uh, more than like twenty five starts. He had thirty seven games that he played in last year. Um, very very poor. Uh, it was it's. Interesting, because the year before, when he was traded for, he, he only got into, like, 11 games, but he had a .916 at the end of that year. That was also famously the year that uh, James Reimer put up a .911. So mm-hmm. even in his short 11-game stint, he even had above Reimer. Now, you could argue that this was a different shark system, like under Bob Bugner. Yeah, it was more defensive. Uh, more defensive, uh, easier for goaltenders to put up good points, or good numbers. Um, and that's actually, you mentioned it before, one of the few seasons in the past like five years for the Sharks that a shark a goaltender has put up a positive goal saves above expected percentage. Um, him in, in 2021, 2022, that's James Reimer. And then 2019, 2020, when Aaron Dell was playing, he had like a point nine oh seven, uh, which was the only two seasons by a Sharks goaltender um, with a positive uh, rating, basically. So I think that this will be the third one. And I think Capo has had a, um, hopefully, some adjustment to his play over the summer that he's mentioned. Um, You know, I don't know if it's going to make the Sharks any more of a competitive team because they are still going to be splitting starts, I think, between him and and Blackwood pretty much the whole year, I imagine. Um, But I think in the games that Capo is going to play, or Capo is going to play, he's going to play very well. Hmm. What do you think uh, Blackwood's save percentage will be? 0.891. 0.891. Okay, so you're liking uh, uh, you're buying you're buying Kakinen stock this I've year, got, but not not yeah. uh, not Blackwood. Okay, Blackwood. It's been this way for a few years, and like uh, two years, two years, few years, yeah. I guess two a couple yeah. somewhere around that that he just <laughs> hasn't really put up a like really starting NHL goaltender caliber year at all, and and I it's tough because he is he's not old he's like 27 28. Um, he's not to be goal, probably if you're to ask uh, not everybody, but he, I think in mm. general he's regarded as the more talented of sure. of the two. But you know, of course, consistency is is all is the name of the game. You know, so it's not yeah. about you know talent level. Yeah, I'm just I'm not as as sold on him, but based okay. on his uh, New Jersey plays. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I have a strong opinion on, on on this. I just would be so happy if the Sharks start getting good goaltending. So I don't need to continue on with the tiresome is it the defense is it the goaltending debate mm-hmm. uh you know both suck <laughs> yeah and well the year that we had good goaltending we ended up with like the 11th overall draft pick so it wasn't i mean we moved out of like the absolute seller yeah but it wasn't like we got that much closer <laughs> it was just like we moved pretty you know 11th overall basically all right what do we got next uh, so okay, this one maybe is not so bold a prediction, but uh, I I'm really liking Granlin coming in, into this season. Um, I've liked what I've seen, I've liked what I've heard. Um, so I'm going uh, Granlin uh, with over 50 points, and 
I, well, I'll talk about it. Uh, your bowl predictions coming up, but okay. So anyway, so Granlin, uh, I think we'll have a bounce back season. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that he was with Nashville a couple years ago. He led all Nashville forwards in playing time two years ago on a playoff uh, Nashville team too. So a pretty good team with pretty good forwards like uh, Matt Duchesne, who scored 43 goals that year. Philip Forsberg, right? So it's a pretty, pretty it was a pretty strong group of uh, of Nashville uh, forwards. Uh, but Granlin was the kind of the do everything every situation uh, power play top power play unit um, he was like maybe second choice on a penalty kill but a regular penalty killer right and so if you're going to miss a guy if, if a guy like Couture is going to sit out whatever length of time uh, Logan's going to sit out you know Granlin is really like as you know ready made a kind of a a substitute kind of, you know, that, or I wouldn't say he's, he's the most ready-made in the league. Of course not, but like he is a, a ready-made perfect, almost substitute for Couture, not the exact same kind of player, but I <laughs> think that they can contribute in about the same kind of ways again, you know, on both sides of, of the ice and in all special teams. I really liked what I saw from Grandland in the preseason. Um, and I agree. I think he's got uh, some untapped potential there that, Pittsburgh obviously couldn't uh, support his contract right. after they traded for him, and he wasn't playing well there, so they didn't want right. to keep the risk of having him be on a playoff or hopeful playoff hopeful team. Um, but it doesn't mean that he's you know worthless. He still yeah. was pretty good in Nashville before he was traded, and also was very good two years ago. So mm-hmm. um, with some more ice time, with some you know probably top power play minutes, I think you're right. I think he could definitely top out 50 points or more. Yeah. Um, my prediction: this is probably. One of the this is a bold one. one. I like this one. Yeah, I think that Barabanov is going to be our points leader at least until the trade deadline. <laughs> I keep saying this because yeah, he has expiring contract. Yeah, and Duclair are both like probable trade targets if the Sharks yeah. are not in the playoff hunt. Um, at least for teams that want some depth down the down the wings. Um, but Barabanov, I, I just he's been improving his um, point totals every year. So he had forty seven mm. last year. I yeah, think it was. yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. He was on pace for for uh, fifty, uh, but he just was hurt. If he had been healthy, um, yeah. yeah I don't know. If... The four players above him are Eric Carlson, Couture, Hurdle, and Meyer. And Meyer's mm-hmm. gone. Carlson's gone. Couture is hurt. hurt. I don't know how long for. And then Hurdle. So it's really, I think, between like Duclair, Granlund, Barabanov, and Hurdle are going to be mm-hmm. your probable points leaders. Um, I'm picking Barabanov. I think okay. he's going to run with it. I think he's going to be healthy. And um, I also think he's going to be a good addition for a playoff Nice. Team. Okay. Okay. I'm, pick- I'm picking with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go with, uh, I talked about, Hurdle. I think it's going to be a ba- yeah, bounce back season for hurdles. So I expect him to uh, lead the Sharks in goals and assists and in points and just okay. be be that guy. Yeah, and that would be awesome. I do love Tom Hurdle. So hopefully he is healthy and he is uh, ready to uh, be that guy for the Sharks. I'm going with Barry Banoff. And then he has okay. like a first round pick draft value. No, I'm kidding. No. He's probably going to be, <laughs> I'm going to say like second and like an AHL is what he's going to get. If you get a second, I think you're, you, I think you're, you're feeling thrilled good. with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. What do we got next? Okay. So this one is, is pretty bold. I think actually, uh, even though I like the player a lot, it's a Henry Thrun one. We talked about Henry Thrun earlier. Uh, so I'm going to predict, and again, this is uh, just this is just a Phil thing, that Thrun doesn't play a regular season game with the Barracuda this season, meaning that he's so good with the Sharks that they're going to keep him up. And um, a couple of things that do support it, uh, even though uh, we predicted that Thrun would get sent down because of the numbers game, right? But this was before the regular season started, so I'm predicting that Thrun will be good enough 
uh, once he hits the regular season um, that the, the team just can't send him down kind of. And so um, so a part of uh, what I would add to it is that we know that David Quinn loves Henry Thrun, you know, has been highly complimentary of him at any, you know, and, and you know, real compliment, again, not coaches speak. And Henry also is, you know, he seems to have the right mindset, you know, uh, you know, he's always seems composed. Um, he's been a leader everywhere uh, that he's played, captain of, of Harvard last year, right? And he also has made clear improvements to his game uh, from last year, where he already was pretty good, though granted, you know, end of the season hockey, depleted Sharks team, so it wasn't that as hard for him to make an impression but i think that henry is going to to hit the ground running here and um you know there is a reason why you know in all my summer roster predictions before they added emberson and i think uh, maybe even before they added root i'm not sure but anyway i had i had thrun making making the team um and because i i, I like you know I, I like his game uh, that much and um i like too his progress too and that's you know that's that's what's important you know the henry thrun from last year yeah you, you can you can push him out with a yon ruda you can push him out with uh maybe even a redeem shimmick all those kind of guys right but i think that henry's gonna show uh once a regular season starts that uh he really deserves to be here and so i do have the caveat of regular season because once the sharks you know uh, uh miss the playoffs like like uh, like like we predict um hopefully <laughs> the barracuda are in the playoffs and you know, so they can send henry down for that but um but um at least uh but yeah but uh but i i, I believe though that that henry will will be good enough to uh, essentially, yeah, to stay with the Sharks all year. So who do you think, um, you think they end up just kind of like waving or, or people are injured kind of thing to... Yeah, you know, that's hard, that's hard to say, you know. Um, obviously, yeah, like, uh, I, you know, we predicted previous, I predicted previously that Shimmick and McDonald would hit waivers eventually this sure. year. Um, you know, who... Who lose? It's it's hard to say. You know, there could be injuries, right? So yeah. like, so like, uh, I'm gonna assume that there's gonna be some injuries uh, along the way, like long term ones that will help uh, Henry's case to stay. You know, um, and so yeah. So I, the only two guys that like I can kind of see the writing on the wall for in terms of uh, just uh, their contracts uh, or being waived uh, are the two names that that I mentioned. Uh, the other yeah. guys, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say, you know. So, um, yeah. Speaking of rookies, uh, this mm. isn't really a bold prediction until you Not very bold at all. Very it. disappointing, yeah. Well, no, no, no. You analyze it a little <laughs> bit further. Um, Eklund is going to put up over 40 points this year. Um, okay. And the people are going to go, ooh, 40 points. Um, very unbold, yeah. There are two Sharks, pro two Sharks players in the last... 23 years who have put up mm -hmm. a 40 more than 40 points in their draft plus three year mm -hmm. two so do you know those who, are? who are they hurdle and uh milan mihalik so okay. Couture and meyer both were close i think they were in the 30s in their draft mm -hmm. plus three year um so even though it doesn't seem that bold so basically they're 20 year old great. seasons Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so Mihalik had a fantastic, I think he had like 60 points in his draft plus three years. Right. 66. Um, and then Thomas Hurdle had that 46 um, points in his draft plus three years. So, right. you know, it's it's bold in that it hasn't happened a lot for the Sharks. And also Sharks. it's just not very common Fair. for, even for younger players like 
this to to reach that point. But I think Marlo Marlo didn't do it. Well, I said last twenty years. Like Marlo oh, I'm sorry. Like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. He's way before that. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, because he came in, and I'm pretty sure he had like forty points in his first year. I think. No, he was like, like in the twenties, but yeah, yeah, but uh, he was maybe you know a mature second. kind of yeah. So okay. Um, but other than that, uh, so I'm gonna say that Acklin puts up forty points. I think he's gonna get a lot of power play time, a lot of ice mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, yeah, I like I think the he way will. his game is, is progressing, and they, they seem to have found a, a lineup spot for him, and obviously this goes without saying, I don't think he's going to go back to the Barracuda. I think yeah. this is going to be his spot, unless it's like tune-up games or whatever. Actually, I, I, I agree on, on both on, on both points. I, I think that Eklund will clear uh, 40 points. Um, and mm-hmm. also, too, that, yeah, I think he's seen the last of the Barracuda, unless it's the playoffs or some kind of, yeah, like re- rehab game or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, all, all summer I predicted Eklund on, on the roster um, yep. just for this reason because, and like I mentioned, that, you know, there is a clear – uh, B game, there is more consistency. Not to say that he's like, you know, a, a veteran's consistency. He's not Couture yet. But, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot more that than you would expect for a 20-year-old that would keep him in the lineup and give him chances to let the skill shine. Yeah. Yeah, I love Eklund. It's going to be a great season for him. Um, he's going to, I hopefully doesn't get too, um, like, beat down about if there's a bunch of losses. I imagine he won't, but... <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's you a question to... with, with the entire team, so yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just sometimes you worry about that when you're bringing up What about me, players. Keegan? What do, you know, I get beat down with the losses, too. You, you have know, to do so this every night. Yeah. yeah. You have to ask the questions exactly. Exactly, every yeah. night about yeah. the losses. So. I don't get Oof. days off. I don't get injured so I can are sit you... out for two months. But are you going to put up 40 <laughs> points is the thing. <laughs> I'll put out, uh, not 40 points, but 40 posts. 40 posts. So in in you know in a month so <laughs> or two you need, weeks you need, you need a break <laughs> you need injury reserve yeah yeah <laughs> speaking of you put out a call for sharks riders yes i saw yes so uh and that's still it. going uh yeah just uh send uh any uh uh, it's on the website, so just just look look for the the requirements. Um, I'm not going to explain everything that I put uh, in the story because that's part of um, uh, uh, part of part of the test, uh, reading comprehension, and not making uh, your busy uh, editor in chief uh, explain everything to you. So it's mm-hmm. all there on the website. Um, I'm you know in terms of just when I'm looking to hire. It's it's kind of a floating thing because I'm pretty busy with the start of season, but you know, hopefully by say you know uh, the beginning of November, I'm kind of set with uh, with uh, with uh, with a new group of writers. And so um, yeah, thank you for for letting me uh, mention it. And uh, the email to reach is also on that story. So uh, test number one, find that email. It's not that hard. So. <laughs> yeah, and you have to listen to an hour and eight minutes into the podcast. <laughs> anyway, well, hopefully. Um, I, uh, Hopefully yeah. the the prospective writers are smart enough to just have already gone to an article and not waited an hour or eight for an answer that is already right in their face. So. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> All right, we got our last predictions. These are not too too bold, but they're interesting, I think. And then we should yeah. get out of here. And they're also not like kind of hard things that you can kind of hold us to. You know, I mean, most of these predictions are, you know, are numbers or rankings things. So you can, you know, laugh at us when, you know, Zadina is a 10 goal scorer again, or laugh at me when the Sharks are the worst team in the league and, you know, going to have 55 points. Um, they wave Capo Kakinen because. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so all these uh, have kind of a hard kind of uh, uh, numbers that, uh, you know, hard, hard targets. 
kids, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to quote uh, that excellent John Claude Van Damme movie. So, but anyway, though, um, so these uh, these are bonus predictions, right? Uh, bonus bold predictions. Uh, they don't have any numbers around them, but sure. mine is that uh, Mario Ferraro will kind of repair his rep this year. Um, uh, I think that uh, Mario's going to not worry so much about, you know, trying to be like a two-way, you know, try to be a 30-point power play guy. You know, they, they tried him there right in the past years, right? I think they thought maybe he can do that or he could get to that point. And I think he's just going to focus on on playing defense, and he's going to do a better job. But we know that Mario plays this frenetic, um, you know, does too much kind of style, which is a bad fit for a bad team because when your team is bad, then – you're going to take it upon yourself to do try to do too much, which is what he has mm-hmm. done. I think the last couple of years, um, I think he's gonna he's gonna kind of uh, pull the reins back uh, enough. Um, so I think that, and again, I'm not saying we're gonna see this in the stats. He's not gonna score a lot of points. Um, you know, I'm not saying that his you know his his J fresh card is gonna look a lot better. But I think in general, though, there's gonna be a sense that. That, that his game has matured this year and that it's, you know, progressing once again, where, whereas you can argue that maybe it's plateaued or gone backward the last couple of years. I'd be interested to see who's his, like, partner that they stick with, you know? Mm, like, yeah, we'll see. Be the guy that, like, kind of, you know, the, by the middle of, like, December, who's he really sticking with? Is it going to be, like, Ruto or is it going to be Benning kind of thing? Um, yeah, well, right now it's Burroughs. They're going to try him out right with Burroughs, I think, tomorrow. So, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, or it could even be Emerson, right? So that's one thing the Sharks have done a nice job of is uh, having a set of right-handers there that um, you know that 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 you feel okay with, at least our our NHL caliber, you know, probably at least. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so 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 there could be that mix because Merrill has played a lot of on his offside too, which I think has been sure. a challenge for him too. So I think that that's going to help him too, just to have that consistency of knowing that chances are he's going to have a experienced, uh, well, not in the case of Emerson, but, you know, somebody who is used to playing the right side at least on, on a nightly basis. Yeah, and not so um, uh, chaotic as, like, Burns or Carlson either to really pair with. Sure, um, sure, so yeah. We'll, we'll see. He could really steady out if he has, like, a really steady defensive partner with him. Not that Benning or, or you know, Burroughs or Ruda are like all world beaters defensively, but maybe a little yeah. less chaotic than Burns and yeah. Carlson. Um, anyway, my prediction is about Emerson. I think mm. Emerson by the end of the year is going to cement himself into the lineup. I think he's Ooh, going okay. to that's a bold get himself, one. Um, I like that above probably. I would. I don't know who it's going to be, but probably somebody like Burroughs. I think. Okay. In terms of getting into that uh, sixth D mm. kind of spot. Maybe a, you get like stepped into like the top four occasionally kind of okay. thing. Um, I really like him. I mean, I okay. haven't seen too, too much of him. And obviously this could change if I keep watching him and I see lots that <laughs> stick out that are bad. And <laughs> then, I'm, you know, this bold prediction is nothing. But um, I think it's a it's also very telling. And this is something that I've noticed from Mike Greer and the staff is like when they target a guy, they really they, they have a reason for it. and They really like him and they give him a chance to succeed. Yeah. And they don't just kind of like find it for whatever or for kicks and then just go maybe it'll work like they didn't claim ty smith they didn't claim like yeah lassie thompson they like found right. a dude that they were like there's something maybe there about him right and they found um, a dude that it felt like they had a lot of already right which is why everyone yeah. thought that i thought that maybe ty yeah. smith right and even Me too. Uh, i don't know lassie's game is lassie thompson more of an offensive guy too 
not really. <laughs> oh, okay. But still, though, like, uh, you know, they, 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 they picked, like, uh, you know, kind of a defensive defense. But he was right-handed. Lassie is right-handed. Oh, that's true. Okay, and then yeah. so is Emerson. But still, like, that they had a lot of, you know. So, yeah. so it doesn't really occur to you that even if they kind of like him that, you know, like, did they need another, another like, at best, Jan Ruda, right? You know, if, yeah. if, if Ty hits, but they liked him, right? And so, and so, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, I, so that is, that is a good point that, like, did, you know, they certainly didn't have to claim him, and there's certainly, you know, bigger names, right, that they could have, they could have claimed, four more first-round picks that they could have claimed, and instead they went with Emerson. Yeah, so I, I think by the end of the year, um, especially if they do move some people out, uh, that he's yeah. So how does how, how does this clear out then to you then the the, the roster like do you uh, do you do you like my Thrun prediction or do you think he gets sent down just because you know of the numbers? I really want him to stay up. Um, I don't know. I I honestly think that by the end of the year there's there's going to be somebody who's like sitting regularly. Um, okay. And it could be Emerson, but it could also be somebody like Burroughs. But um, probably not Ruta because he's older. Yeah. Uh, not I, I'm asking you though because so. yeah because if you have Emerson as like kind of a nightly guy a guy who doesn't get sat right and let's Thrun say Thrun okay okay that's yeah. that, that's that's I what I'm Thrun wondering. I think might okay. go down and then okay. yeah it's either Thrun goes down or Brew Rose is kind of not uh, I mean he's one year or he's three years one million dollars you know he's going to be here for a while but I don't mm -hmm. think they're they're kind of thinking of he's going to be in the six seven role I think so yeah. We'll see. Well, they're giving Rashad Ferraro though, but but yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see though. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think maybe Thrun goes down just based on okay. the numbers aspect. Okay. That's kind of what it. And and maybe they trade somebody too is kind of. A oh thing. sure, sure. If they or, really yeah, they wave a couple guys, they trade somebody, right? Or yeah, guys I mean, get the only hurt. One that yeah. Really has trade value is is I guess Ferraro, but. I don't know about that. No, I mean, Ruda has Ruda some. Does, he's he's, he's pricey two though. Years. Two years, yeah. yeah. As one year, he would have value. Actually, mm -hmm. um, I don't think they'll trade him. But Benning and Burroughs have value just because even though they're on long contracts, they're so low that you can bury them in its entirety. And Benning yep. is a guy that for sure, like if they you know just auction them off to the highest bidder. I don't think they'll get a lot, but they would get something back for him, like a fourth round, third round pick, just because, yeah. you know, he is, you know, he may not be the top four defenseman that the Sharks use him as because they don't really have a choice. But that means, I think, a very good defenseman and, you know, very good on, on a on a playoff team. He's a he's a good bottom pairing defenseman, not just a guy you put in there because of, of you know, cap or whatever. Right. Like, you yeah. know, just you, you squeeze a guy the in there. He can. Yeah. He's defensively responsible. Yep. He's yep. That, yep. That and he competes hard. He's, you know, yeah, he's mm -hmm. a he's 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 a leader. Like people laugh at him being on the power play. But the fact that he's able to kind of moonlight as that and like, you know, he put mm -hmm. up some points last year. Right. Like the fact that he's able to even do a facsimile of that. Right. Like that's a guy that has a little more to his game than just like defense, defense, defense. You know, look at actually his 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 uh, career. Uh, he played the power play uh, with McDavid for a couple of years there. He actually was kind of a regular, you know, not to say that that was the best Oilers power play. I don't think those sure. Oilers teams made the playoffs, but like, you know, there is a little more there than, than just a pure like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, he's not an exceptional offensive player. It may not even be above average, but he's not. But like, you know, yeah, uh, I think he gets a bad rap because people yeah. expected more from him. Because, well, is. no, it's not even that they expect more. It's just that he's put in places, right? They put him yeah. on the power play. And that kind of makes him look bad because, you know, ideally he's not your PP2 quarterback, right? But yeah. can he kind of do it and, like, look better than Vlasic, Ferraro, and all those other guys? He did last year. 
you know, he looked better, I would say, than those than, than those guys at least would have yeah. would have been in in those positions at least last year, right? And yeah. so you know, so if he's kind of like a above average defensively and like say slightly below average offensively compared to say a Ferraro who is you know like. Mm-hmm clearly below average offensively at least at this point right that's a uh, you know that, that's not bad that's that's a player that teams can use so um so anyway in terms of uh, trade value uh, going back to that um yeah so so Benning, yeah i think i think Benning has value i think Benning actually probably has arguably the highest value maybe ferraro just because ferraro is younger and has that whole leadership and that whole you know like great lock not that Benning is in those things but like you know ferraro is a huge locker room guy but i actually would say that there's a chance. Uh, I know that there was talk last year that 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 uh, teams made pretty uh, like a team made a pretty good offer for Ferraro, but uh, uh, I would say that Benning might actually if you, if you were to put all of them available for trade right now, and let's not count Thrun because you know Thrun is unproved. Like Thrun would probably get the most because Thrun you know has the he's the prospect of the bunch, right? But of the veteran guys, that I actually would would argue that. Uh, Benning might get the 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 best uh, the best uh, sort of return. I mean, not wouldn't be like a huge return, but the the best of this bunch. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I I I I I might say that. Yeah, because again, Ruda might be uh, Ruda might be liked better around the league, but his contract, you know, two years at a higher ticket is, uh, yeah, is uh, mm-hmm. you know, contracts play a part of it. But yeah. Anyway. So I think yeah. Ultimately something happens and then ember some mm-hmm. kind of embers and kind, embers and kind sure. of gets into the lineup that way is kind of my prediction by the end of the year he's more of like a consistent um lineup guy rather mm-hmm. than being what we think is going to be scratched for the first game yeah, yeah. all right that's it it is okay um this uh, this is the day before the sharks opening night yep may come out tonight might come out tomorrow yeah. uh we'll see but Hope you guys have a good week, and we will uh, report back next week with some uh, Sharks game results as well. (laughs) Real excited. Take care, guys. Bye.